Welcome to An Amber A Day, the podcast all about functional nutrition for PCOS. I'm Amber Fisher, a certified nutrition specialist and licensed dietitian nutritionist, and I have training in functional medicine. I also have PCOS, and on this podcast, we discuss PCOS in depth, the nutrition strategies for it, as well as the realities of living with it and making this lifestyle work. For further guidance and meal plan support, you can check out the show notes for links to my PCOS courses and programs. And if this podcast helps you, please do me a favor and leave me a review. Thank you so much for being here. Let's get into today's episode. You're listening to An Amber a Day, the Functional Nutrition Podcast, and I'm Amber Fisher. This podcast is all about fertility, autoimmunity, functional nutrition, and just life, motherhood, you know, all the things that we like to talk about. So we talk about all kinds of stuff on this podcast, and today I am super excited. I can't even tell you because I have uh, Kat Benson here, who is a dietitian nutritionist in El Paso. She's with Unlocked Nutrition. And we are going to talk about some really cool stuff today. Uh, We're going to try to hone in and focus on MLMs, but we have a lot in common. So I know we'll talk about a lot of really cool stuff. But Kat um, specializes in work with uh, fitness, prenatal nutrition, and then gut health. And so she kind of does an all around approach with social, emotional well-being. And um, one thing I really like about her is that she doesn't have a super dogmatic approach to nutrition. She's got a very balanced viewpoint about nutrition, which I really, really appreciate and think is missing a lot in the nutritionist space. So thank you for being here, Kat. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so glad that we got to connect. And I think it's kind of funny how we realize that we usually live very close to each other. I know. So we were, we were talking, um, for everybody who's just listening now and, uh, she's in El Paso now I'm in San Antonio. And so she's like, Oh, I was, I was born and raised in San Antonio. I'm like, Oh really? Me too. So then we started, we got to talking and we lived in the exact same part of town. Like, um, we went to like, what did you go to? You didn't go to. So I was homeschooled. Okay. Yeah, but I would have gone to. That she would have gone to mm-hmm. O'Connor, and I went to. And then your sister was supposed to go to Taft, right? She she did go there. One of oh, she did go. Mm-hmm. To Taft. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so I went to Com Arts, which is a, a magnet school on the campus of Taft. And then my brother and sister went to O'Connor. So it's just kind of funny. We're from like the same part of town, and um, she's like, "Yeah, I know that area." So that's pretty cool because we just randomly met on the internet. But yeah. I've been finding that lately that I've just been meeting the coolest people on Instagram. I'm like, why didn't I do this before? It's, yeah, same. <laughs> yeah. It's a whole new world. It oh, really yeah. is. I know. I don't, um, I resisted Instagram for a long time for the really? business. I mm. really just started it up in June of this year. I was like, okay, I finally got to do this. You know, oh. I hadn't been doing it from before. And, um, yeah, I'm glad I did, but it's a lot of work. So. It is, it is. And that's, and, you kind know, of- and then I'm going to link to Kat's accounts here in the show notes because she has three Instagram accounts, right? Yes. So- um, and that's, that's what I was going to say. Like just hearing that you really started putting a lot of energy and intention into your uh, Instagram this year, that yeah. is a little uh, assuring or even inspiring because I've started and kind of restarted and kind of fallen off on Instagram throughout the years. Um, and so I'm, I'm really trying to get back into it. It's I had one when I first, I first opened up 
my business in 2015 and I had one back then. Well, I used to, I had a different business name when I first, first started that didn't, I didn't do anything with that. And then I got another one and then I didn't do anything with that. It kind of, I think it got like shadow banned or shut down or something. Oh, no. I didn't know what I was doing on Instagram. <laughs> you know, I'm like using like hashtags that you're not supposed to use or whatever. Yeah. And then, so I'm like, oh, forget this. You know, I, mm-hmm. I like, I had a Facebook group that I kind of like ran and, and just did blogging on my website. And then find a good friend of mine, the one who I film eat with us with Gabby, um, her account is, this is a, at this is Apollo 11. Anyway, she gets all her clients off of Instagram and she's fairly new to nutrition. She's kind of getting started the last few years. And, um, I'm like, well, if it works for her, I guess I might as well start putting some energy into it. And it's kind of been a real boon, especially this year with being at home and not being able to go into the office as much as like, it's been helpful for virtual work. So that's anyway. One of the reasons (laughs) that does, and that's one of the reasons why I started putting a little bit more effort. I had planned on this year because my husband was overseas last year. And so it was a little bit challenging just with where I was at to record YouTube videos. But I had the goal and intention that once he got back at the beginning of this year to start with YouTube, and it just kind of coincided with a lot of more things moving virtually. So that's one of the reasons why I started putting more energy into YouTube. Yeah. And that, that's a goal of mine too, is to do more on YouTube. I record all these podcasts in video mm-hmm. with the intention of eventually putting them on YouTube. Do it. And I, like, <laughs> I have it. I have like two, I have like episode 13 and 14 up there. We're like at episode 30 now, which oh, is it's, the other thing that's funny is that I've been doing this podcast since 2018 and I'm only at 30 episodes because I like, I took like an entire year off to have my son and all the that's stuff that went on with that. Yes. So, but I'm like, okay, finally, we're kind of getting somewhere with the numbers. You know, if it sounds better to be over 30 podcasts, I feel like, so that's exciting, but yeah, I need to get into the YouTube game. So that's, that's inspiring. Um, (laughs) yeah, this has been a weird year for nutrition. I feel like, so, um, let's get in a little bit into today's topic. Cause I know that this is something that you're really passionate about. Mm-hmm. And it was the reason why I really wanted to talk with you because I know we're coming up on New Year's mm-hmm. and that tends to be a time when a lot of these like health-based MLMs sort of come out of the woodwork. So I guess just tell me, um, yeah, tell me some of your experiences and why you're passionate about this topic. Yeah. So I have, so, okay. <laughs> I kind of don't know where to start. I know. It's a big, yeah. There's a lot to talk about. Um, I am not, I, so, okay. As you mentioned in the beginning, I am a registered dietitian nutritionist. Um, I have a lot of, hmm, how do I say this? Okay. So I have a lot of like respect and excitement around people who are also in the field of nutrition that aren't registered dietitians. And that is something that I have, you know, run into, uh, with other dietitians of kind of wanting this monopoly or wanting this, just like only dietitians to be able to talk about nutrition. And I am very much just part of who I am. Um, part of how I approach nutrition is very much focusing on the grays, looking at how the nuances of approaching nutrition, of, of, of approaching nutrition, how that can be, 
Um, I see that in all aspects of life. And so when I see other dietitians talking about their goal of just making nutrition be taught by dietitians, I'm like, okay, I know they're coming from a place of caring. I know they want people to make sure that they're getting information that's not going to harm them. However, I don't think that you have to necessarily be a dietitian in order to have quality nutrition information provided. And we can see that with CNS and mm -hmm. right. And this is, this is a big topic. I think that, that I'm passionate about as well, because obviously I'm not a registered dietitian and I chose not to go that route for a purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time, I also, and CNS is, CNS is the only other, the only other nutrition professional that is also state licensed in some states. So there are yes. several states in the United States. Texas is not one of them because Texas does not license the term nutritionist. They only license the term dietitian, right? But um, but in several other states, you can have a state license as a dietitian or as a CNS. So overall, it's recognized as kind of like the same level of mm-hmm. education and, and um, respect and all that. However, um, with that said, it's like as a person who is not a dietitian, it can be very frustrating, especially from the perspective of like, I have a master's degree. I've put in a lot of work into my education. I specifically went and did the thousand hour internship to become a CNS. And I took the written exam and I had to, and that was a hard test. You know, I went through a lot to get this. And so I feel like, um, you know, from my perspective, I feel like I should be, you know, listen to it. I mean, I'm not doing anything to, to try to like harm people. However, (laughs) this is where it gets gray though. And like you said, I mean, I'm very much like that where the nuance of everything is very important to me. I'm not a black and white person. And so, um, when we get into nutrition professionals in general, there are levels, right. And some there, there, I do feel like there does need to be some oversight of education for that. At the same time, I don't think it needs to be so like all or nothing. So I'm glad that you said that because I think it's it's an interesting topic because you do see a lot of dogma around it. It is a very interesting topic. And there is a, a place for everybody, I feel like. And even yeah. outside of being a registered dietitian or having CNS, it's there are there are places where you can be that coach and just help on the implementation side and game planning of how can we, maybe if you have a plan from uh, a CNS or registered dietitian, but you don't have the option of meeting with them all the time, how can I help you to like incorporate those kind of things? And so, yeah, that's one thing I was going to say is I do really think that there's a place for the health coach. Um, Just because, you know, from my perspective as a private practitioner, at this point in my practice, I'm only able to really meet with my clients every four to six weeks max because I have enough clientele that, you know, I'm, I'm trying to help as many people as I can. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's fine. You know, depending on what we're working on, every six weeks is a fine amount of time to meet. However, some people do, especially at the beginning, need that handholding. Mm-hmm. And I'm just not able to do it anymore the way that I used to be able to do it. You kind of need that approach of like, okay, we need two people on this because somebody has got to answer the text messages that come, you know, at like six o'clock at night when right. they're at a restaurant or something like, what can I eat? And I don't do that anymore. You know, uh-huh. as much as I like 
wish that I could. Um, so I definitely think there's a place for the health coach. And I'm glad that there are a lot of programs that are trying to educate health coaches. It does get on my nerves a little bit when I feel like they go outside of scope of practice. Yes. Yeah. You know, because again, balance, right? Uh Uh-huh. Health, Um, safety. Health. Yes. And what really kind of gets me is these product companies who kind of you know, you get in with this product to sell this product and then you're like, they call you a coach, right? But you have no real coaching training except the stuff that they've given you about the product to sell the products. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of where it kind of started, (laughs) where I started getting frustrated. And I kept this in for a very, 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 very long time. Um, Just because I had had experiences with similar companies with the products that I was like, these are actually, you know, they're fine. They're not harmful. Some of them are, <laughs> but yeah. some of them like they're, they're okay. But where, fine, yeah. yeah. But where I was getting concerned was, is when they would have like diet plans within the program mm-hmm. that really didn't allow for any nuance to be there. They really didn't allow for mm-hmm. any kind of, um, individual needs. And what Mm -hmm. I was, what I was seeing was people coming to me after having done these programs, these plans, and they would come with a whole lot of confusion and more fear of food. And it was just like uh, trying to unlearn that, helping them unlearn that and get set on a path for their health, their physical, mental, social, and emotional well-being. That's, that's always my goal is to have actions around there. And so I was just seeing a lot of these kind of plans and programs, you know, not helping people. And that, that was part of it on the client side. And we can talk more about that. And then maybe later, even on the coaching side of the people providing that. Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG. And we are the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. Yeah. I mean that I struggle with that as well. In my practice, I can think of one woman in particular who came to me late last year. Um, now this was not an MLM situation. However, it was like not science-based nutrition advice. And so sometimes people get into these situations where they're kind of desperate and somebody tells them I have all the answers, you know? And so this woman, she got into, um, (laughs) she got into with a practitioner who, who, was not licensed doing, uh, the carnivore diet. Um, so, and I cannot tell you, explain to you the level of metabolic damage that this poor woman had when she finally came to me and we're still trying to, to, you know, fix that. We're still trying to get her back just to a normal, um, a normal state and not just physically, but also mentally, like you said, unlearning those behaviors, unlearning those connections, you know, I mean, there's the keto thing is one thing, right? And I'm not big on that either. Um, but going to the unless it's like medical nutrition therapy need, 
for like yeah apple. right yeah. right mm -hmm. like a keto yeah I mean for epileptic stuff or you know sometimes I have done ketogenic work with people who are type 2 diabetics and have had pretty you know good results with that um depending on their level of ability to maintain consistency and but like you said I mean it's all about an individual perspective and you have to look at that whole person their whole history their lifestyle their motivation level you know, like realistically, what can this person accomplish now, you know, and then what maybe might be the future goal for them or whatever. Um, but I do see that a lot with, with these product based things as well, where people will come in and they, they want to work with me on, you know, the diet side, but I tell them that I want them to eat like, you know, a serving or two of fruit or something. And they're like, what? fruit. No, I can't have fruit. Or like, can I have these shakes that I've been drinking like every day forever? And I just drink them for like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And, you know, and I'm looking at the ingredients and I'm like, oh my gosh. And oh, it's man. just, it's really hard to try to help people unlearn those behaviors. Especially if they have this, the a gut health issue and there are some products and programs that are very much focused on gut health. And I, I've always said, and I mentioned this in other yeah. videos, if you have one product that's named like anything related to related to digestion, that's not going to work for everybody because yeah. gut health is so individualized. Yes, exactly. Really help yeah, one person health, can I mean, really not help another person. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, you know, I see these, I see these products that are like, you know, oh gosh, I'm trying to think of a name, but they're, they're just kind of ridiculous. Like, you know, it, it's like gut health, whatever. And, um, or I'll see people posting like, here's a gut health smoothie or something like that. And so, I mean, not to say that that's like bad, but the idea that, um, one thing or one product is going to be like your, your smoking gun for gut health, mm -hmm. because in functional nutrition, the underpinning of the majority of what we do is gut health based, you know, which yes. is why I think it's so, um, why it's helped me so much as a practitioner to kind of be under that paradigm because we just do a lot of educational focus on that. And the more I learn about gut health, the more complicated I realize it is, you know, yes. yeah, it's like, like learning oh. something new every single day. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I just feel like, um, I was talking with, um, Oh, gosh, what is her name? She runs the um, the functional nutrition podcast with a K functional. Oh. Um, she's really oh, cool. Cute. I don't know if you follow her, but I really like her a lot. Um, I think you'd like her too. But her and I were kind of DMing about um, about some of this stuff. And uh, we were talking about the longer that we're in practice, the more we realize we don't know. And I think that's yes. the fallacy of a lot of people who, who are really interested in nutrition and interested in health. And so they get in, you know, they don't want to go the whole route of like, Oh, let me get a degree and let me get the license and all that. They want to just get started now. Right. And so they take like a six week course or they do like a nine month program or whatever it may be. And then they get started and they're trying to help people fix their gut health. And they think they know all the answers and they have a little organization that's telling them this is the answer. This is the product. You know, mm -hmm. if they have this, give them this. It just doesn't work that way. I wish it did. Yes. <laughs> so 
many things. Uh, oh man, I was going to say something and it just flew out of my, um, out of my mind. But another thing that took the place of it was that <laughs> when I became a dietitian, I was ready to practice, you know, I was licensed and everything at that point, I was really like at the starting level of like, yes. I have this foundation, but now it's time to really dive in and to really focus and hone in on practice because I mean, it, it, it makes sense kind of like, and I'm not saying that I'm anywhere near a, a doctor or anything, but you have these kind of um, general practitioners, but then you also have these other ones who have spent that additional time honing in on that. And even with general practice, you can, you know, get more in depth with that, but kind of the same thing, whenever you are done with the program, uh, even on the CNS, when you're a brand new with that, and then all the, also on the dietetic side, like you are at the beginning of your journey. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I fully recognize, you know, when I got into practice, my first clients were back in, in 2015. So I haven't been in practice that long. I'm coming up on six oh, years. Right. Yeah. Same and, for me. um, Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. 2015. <laughs> well, all right. Well, um, yeah, it's because I, I, I left my, um, my first kind of career path of like social services. And I was thinking about becoming a counselor too. I actually applied to go into an MSW program. And then I got the acceptance letter oh. and I was like, I just felt nothing. I was like, this is not what I want to do. I really wanted to do nutrition, but I was scared to do it. But anyway, so I did it. Um, but yeah, I look back. You know, and I'm kind of like, and I'm still kind of friends, acquaintances with some of those very first clients of mine. And uh, I kind of laugh. I'm like, wow, you know, y'all were really my guinea pigs. And I am sorry. I almost feel like, hey, maybe I should bring you in for a free session. Right. Oh, man, I'm glad I'm not the only one who thinks that. (laughs) No, I mean, and that's why they call it a practice, right? It's just like the practice of medicine. And this is a Mm -hmm. big soapbox of mine, too, because with the way that our, you know, you mentioned doctors, with the way that our whole healthcare system is set up, people tend to have this idea about um, doctors, like that they're gods and that they know everything, you know, yeah. and they Even are just nutrition. People. Yes. And especially about that. So it, it, it gets, it gets me bad when I have a well thought out plan for somebody based on research. And then you know, a doc, they go to see their general practitioner and their doctor's like, oh no, you know, and I'm like, this, this person took 12 hours of nutrition education, you know, they don't know anything about nutrition. So, um, it's just, I just feel like, and I think that, I think that the world is changing. I think that the medical community is changing. I am seeing a lot more, um, interest and focus on this functional paradigm. Like a lot of doctors are getting into that and that has a really solid place for nutritionists, not as, I don't want to say as equals, but in some sense as equals, because we're the ones who really implement this plan for this person. And what makes a bigger difference than anything else in a person's life is what they eat, you know, um, and what supplements they take and, and all of that stuff. It makes a bigger difference than than really anything else, I think. And that's why I became a nutritionist because I mm. felt like it was the way to make the biggest difference, you know, rather than go get in, go get my MD or whatever. Not it's, sure I could have done. I mean, I think I could have done it, but you know, it just it it allows was like, us. It allows to be on more of the preventative side. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but I do see, I do see 
a lot of change with that. Like I've noticed that over the last six years, there are a lot more doctors sending people to me. And I think it's because when you work with somebody and they come back to their doctor and their doctor sees all this improvement in their blood work and in how they're feeling and their weight and all that stuff, then the doctor's like, oh, okay, you know, maybe there's something to this. And like, so let's send more people to this, you know, to this practitioner. So I think that there, the whole, I think that the importance of nutrition is starting to become more and more obvious mm-hmm. um, as the time goes on. So, I think so too. And I think that's part of the reason why I feel like sometimes, you know, the whole, the whole, I feel like kind of foundation of, or where MLMs especially take root in people's lives is when they are feeling a little vulnerable, when they're feeling down. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you hear the stories of people who, when they talking about when they began their journey with that company, it's most of the time when they were at a very low place. Like I haven't really heard of a story where somebody was like, I was at the top of my game. I was so excited. And I decided to join this company. Like it's just not what happens. And so, yeah, which is another issue. Yeah, I think they pray, they pray on your insecurity. They pray on, and this is not to say that like, you know, they're evil or all the products are terrible or whatever. Now I will, I will say that I have seen the ingredients labels of a lot of these things. And I'm like, this is silly. First of all, you're paying double for something that you could easily get from a licensed practitioner for, you know, half the cost and it's a higher potency product. Second of all, you know, whatever, but there are some that, like you said, like that, I'm like, yeah, "Eh, right. I mean, if you want to pay for it, it's fine. Yeah. But, um, and the but whole kind of small business thing, I mean, it's yeah. not a small business. There are so no. many people above that person and at corporate level yes. who are making bank. Okay. And and this is the thing too, is like, if you look at financially what the average person who's a part of any of these things makes, they're not making that much money and they're putting in a lot of work. Um and most of that work is focused on bringing in other people to sell the product too. And, you know, it's very much, I know it's not officially a pyramid scheme, but it's very much a pyramid scheme. You With know what I'm products. saying? That's mm-hmm. unsustainable. So could you be the lucky one who like shoots to the top? Sure. Anyone could, but mm-hmm. will you? Probably not. Mm-hmm. And this is what really um, makes me sad. And um, because I know that there are a lot of there are a lot of people who listen to this podcast who are interested in nutrition and they've thought about becoming nutritionists themselves or becoming dietitians. I I have you know several students who like to listen to this and everything because oh, they want an idea of student. what it's like. Yes, hi students. Um, they want to know what it's like to be a nutritionist, you know, and if that's the right path for them. And I see a lot of people at that vulnerable place. Mm-hmm. Just because there's not great information about there out there about which direction you should take getting involved in companies like this because they're thinking, okay, here's a relatively quick way for me to get some, you know, knowledge. And then I'll be able to start a a, a business as a nutritionist. When you have a state like Texas, where there's no regulation over that, then it's like even better, you know, like I can just like make an Instagram account and I'm a nutritionist now, you know what I mean? And so, um, but I think people are smart. And when you don't have that level of expertise, they quickly figure that out. And so I just don't think it's a successful, sustainable way to get into 
to get into real work as a nutritionist. Like if you really want to do that, if you really want to become a nutritionist or a diet, like you need to go back to school, you need to mm-hmm. become a dietitian or you need to, you know, you can go the route that I went. Um, but you've got to put in that time and that work. And, um, just as like doing something else would be <laughs> like, if you yeah, want to be an accountant, like it, you're not going to just, because it's food, yeah. they're like, Oh, it should be pretty simple, you know? But there's a lot of science that goes into becoming a nutrition professional. You know, we, mm-hmm. it took many, many biochem, hours of biochem. <laughs> yeah, biochem. Like, yeah. Yeah. I remember those biochem classes. I was like, you know, growing up, I was not, uh, I was not a uh, math science person at all. Like math, especially, was like no don't even, it's still mm-hmm. to this day. I remember my teachers telling me, they're like, you're not going to have your calculator wherever you go. They were uh, wrong. I keep that. <laughs> I'm like, hold that up. What's 12 plus 12. No. Yeah. Um, but, uh, what was I saying? I lost my train of thought. Um, oh yeah. Math science. So I didn't love science growing up. And so when I was thinking about becoming a nutritionist, I remember, um, some people being like, are you sure you want to do that? Cause there's kind of a lot of science involved and I'm looking at the courses and I'm like, Oh my gosh, advanced biochem. What am I going to do in that? You know? And it is hard. I, I cried so yeah. much when I was in school, I cried calling my mom. Like, I don't know if I can pass this class. Like, I don't know if I can do this. Do I still want to do it? Yeah. It's hard. It's really it's- hard work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then especially if, if, you know, I think, my brain was more designed for that than I thought. I didn't have the confidence that I really needed. And once I got into it, I was like, okay, I can do this. But that's not to say that it wasn't super challenging. But at the same time, that education gave me such an appreciation for the nuance of nutrition. You know, as a professional nutritionist, I mean, I can justify any food. Yeah. You know, we're over here talking about like every food has, has beneficial properties and it, some foods have detrimental properties, the, food, the neutrality the of food. Yes, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's not like there's any one thing that's just awful for everybody, you know? Oh, I love that. So, um, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the reasons I had one video and it was, I forgot what the title is called or is called, but it's a message to distributors of these nutrition related MLM companies. And so I have on there like Arbonne and Beachbody, Isogenics, a couple other ones too that I've talked about. And my message was just, you know, if you want to be a nutrition focused practitioner, if you want to be a health coach, if you want to like whatever you want to do to help people with nutrition, you don't have to do it with this company and you being with this company is not really helping you to grow in that area because you don't have any say over the products. You don't have any say over the ingredients. You don't have mm-hmm. any say over the acquisition of ingredients, the name of the, the colors, like the whole PR around it. Um, you have very specific rules of what you can say and what you can't say like regardless of what the FTC says, like within the company itself too, and how they want to be perceived, you are, when you look at what an entrepreneur is, what a business owner is, all of the different tasks, yes, there are going to be some that are going to be more fun than others, but they try to put the spin on it as if like, well, 
you're being a business owner, but only doing like the fun parts. But really, when you look at all of the actions that they're doing is legitimately just selling. They can have some flexibility in that and how that shows up, but it is just selling and getting other people to sell the product. And yeah, it, and, and there's nothing wrong with salespeople necessarily, but it's just, I think there's a lie that a lot of these companies have put into the distributor's head that they own their own business and that they're helping so many people when what else are the, is the company going to say? Like they want people to sell their product. Like, mm-hmm. and, and you can't yeah. individualize it at that point, which is the purpose of becoming a nutrition <laughs> practitioner. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. It, it frustrates me to no end, not just, and everything you said, yes, like a thousand <laughs> times. Yes. My, you know, I do get, I don't know if this happens to you, but sometimes I have people who will book appointments with me just so they can try to get me to sell for their MLM. Has that ever happened to you? Um, No. Yeah, that's happened to me. Um, So, you know, you have like an appointment and you're like getting going on. And this, this happened more when I would do like a free first consultation, which I don't, I charge now for that stuff. But um, when I was kind of first getting started, I would do that. And I had so many people come in and try to be like, Hey, I have a great opportunity for you, you know, to expand your role. And the thing is, you realize when you, when you are a, a, when you do have a private practice and you are running your own business, that there are so many legitimate um, places where you can get high quality product for your clients that you can choose and you get it at wholesale cost. And then you do the markup and, you know, you make more money off of it. Um, it helps support your business and you know, what's in it. You trust it. There's oversight, you know, Emerson ecologics, for example, that's where, you know, a lot of Mm -hmm. nutritionist dietitians get their supplements from. I mean, they pay for third party testing to make sure that all those products have what they say they have and that they're not contaminated with lead and heavy metals and and all that stuff. I mean, and that is very, very important. Mm -hmm. Um, if you ever, those of you listening, if you've ever gone on consumer reports, um, they used to have us do this in, in, uh, in school, they'd be like, go on consumer reports and look up a supplement and then see what, what comes up. And, you know, a lot of these supplements, even that you get at, um, at the grocery store will come back and they'll test them and find that they have, you know, trace amounts of lead or whatever in them. Yeah. Because just because like garden of life was a big one that came out. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Big one. And, you know, they were just didn't Nestle buy them out or something not that Mm -hmm. long ago. So, um, but even if it it looks pretty and even if it's sold at a pretty store, that doesn't mean that the ingredients that are in it aren't coming from a place that maybe aren't, you know, that maybe they aren't paying as much quality control attention to or, or what have you. And I think when you get stuck with a single company and you have to, you know, sell the way that they want you to sell. And, you know, you're, you're stuck, you get into this whole thing. And and a lot of the problem with MLMs is then they make you buy all this stuff up front and they feed you this lie that it's like, okay, you're just going to be selling this product to people who are really, really going to want it. But that's really not what they want you to do. They really want you to get other people to sell the product. So it's like, when you look at the compensation plan to how to move up, it's, not 100% based off sales, which if it no. was sales, then that would be fine. I'd be like, okay, yeah, but exactly. it's not, it's not. And there are a lot of, 
there are a lot of supplement reps that, you know, we work with in practice who will like, you know, I've got like the, the designs for health guy. He always shows up at my office and drops off all those materials. I mean, that's what those people are doing. The, uh-huh. uh, sup- the big supplement companies, they hire nutritionists to kind of market their products directly to nutrition practitioners and doctors and things like that. And, um, you know, they are stuck with that one company, but it's a reputable company that, you know, I mean, there is a place for that if you want to do sales, you know? Yeah. Um, And you made a good point that it's you, you, as your own practitioner, you're allowed to have different products and to recommend them from different places and to be like, okay, maybe I like this version of this product from this company, but this other product, even though this, they have another product that I want to use this other brand's product instead. And you can't, like when you look at the terms and conditions, a lot of times for these companies, they want you to just be their representative. Yeah, exactly. Which and is an issue with practice. Yeah. I mean, that that's a very, very dangerous place to be. And especially when there becomes this financial desperation that you get into mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, I have sunk so much money into this. And I think there are, um, you know, I know there's a documentary on Herbalife that I watched. Betting about on how, Zero? Yes. Oh my gosh. Awful. I haven't watched it. Okay. Well, I, I, but I've heard so much about it. (laughs) Really upset. Well, a lot of the, um, this is probably an important topic for us since we're in, in South tech, well, West Texas and South Texas. Um, a lot of that documentary is about the way that Herbalife moved into the minority market. Yes. because they found a, a stronghold there mm-hmm. in, you know, people who were, they were selling a dream, you know, mm-hmm. that an unsustainable dream, but they were taking advantage of, of people and ent- entire communities of people. Yeah. And having them take advantage of each other. And it's really, aw- it's, it's awful to make you cry. <laughs> what, what happened I mean, to a lot of these people. But. Yeah. I know the, like the, st- I just haven't watched the documentary, but I know about what happened and it is so upsetting. Beautiful. And when I see other companies start to go into other countries where a lot of people are very susceptible to that, it, it's frustrating. Absolutely. Yeah, it's terrible. Oh. And so, um, and then from, from a, like a, from a health, from a consumer perspective, because I think, um, you know, we're, we're talking about from a nutrition perspective. Is everything okay? Mike, I heard my cat uh, oh. <laughs> hiss from the other room. And sometimes one of the cats <laughs> likes to bully one of the other cats. So. Oh, cute. I love cats. So what was I talking about? Oh, from a consumer perspective. Because we, we talked a lot about from a nutritionist perspective or somebody interested in becoming a nutritionist. But one of the other things that that's frustrating as a nutritionist is when I have clients who, um, who don't understand, I guess the difference between the quality in these products, or they get caught up in like this dream that this product is going to do, you know, all these amazing things. Sometimes the marketing for these products is very, um, it really walks that line of what is legally allowed for them to say. And, and, and the lot of the problem too, is that the company will say one thing and it'll be like, okay, you know, mm-hmm. it's got the asterisk on it. Right. But then the person selling the product will make much larger claims. I see that a lot with like the essential oils. 
Yes. I actually have a quick story about that. Not this okay, oils, please. but um, I had somebody reach yeah. out to me about uh, a very, an MLM about water, uh, about the uh, I think I've, I think ionizer. I know <laughs> yeah. Okay, and yeah. so uh-huh. I actually went to their website in particular and I went on the, the, there's a chat function. And so I asked them, can you give me a list of all of the benefits from your water? And they sent me the, or they provided me their PDF and it was nothing like what a lot of the people on social media are saying about this water. And so I'm like, I, now I have this PDF on file so that if, you know, I need, I can say, this is what the company is saying. This is what they're providing me. So you're saying that the company is not telling me <laughs> what they need to tell right. me. Right. Exactly. And so, oh man, I'm, I'm glad that I have that now. So I love that. I love that you took the initiative to just do that. I love that. Um, Well, because you, you start to get sick of seeing that. I mean, I I get really, I get really, really sick of that with, and you know, I mean, I picked on essential oils a little bit. I, I, I like essential oils. I mean, I have essential oils. They smell amazing. They smell wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, and I know that there is some, some science-based stuff on aromatherapy and relaxation and yeah, aromatherapy is great health benefits to certain things but it's it's not um it's not going to cure your I, I had somebody come in and, and tell me that um this certain essential oil would cure GERD you know um like severe GERD I'm like okay so uh. <laughs> yeah and they're like just put drops of it in your, in your water, like three times a day. And I'm thinking, okay, not only is that not gonna work. I mean, it's, it's a stiff enzyme with an oil, um, oh. which whatever, if you need to take a digestive enzyme, you need to take a digestive enzyme, but yeah. like the amount of having like essential oil in your system too. I mean, just like anything else, having too much of something can be dangerous for you. Um, and if you are having GERD that severe, perhaps you need to look at your diet and potentially, yeah. you know, maybe your gut health because yeah. you have stomach acid yes. or, you know, maybe you're making too much stomach acid or yes. maybe we need to look at food sensitivity. Yes. I mean, it's, it's, it's a deeper issue, you know, yes. like, I don't know about, about you, but mm. I, I see a lot of people for GERD and one of my most popular yeah. podcasts was about GERD. Oh, I, I find to GERD to that one. like one of the easier things to take oh, care of because yeah. it's almost always connected to food sensitivity. I'm like, okay, so what's going on, you know, what's mm-hmm. going on? And then food sensitivity is always connected to gut health. So it's mm-hmm. like, it's not a hundred percent of the time, but it's, do you do side note? Do you do a lot of FODMAP work? So FODMAPs, I, I do some of it. Okay. Um, I find that, so here's my thing about FODMAPs. If you remove FODMAP containing foods for too long, mm-hmm. then your gut can be less resilient. Absolutely. The diversity can be not as beneficial. And so when you try to reintroduce foods, you get into this kind of weird state where it's like, okay, I'm fine when I'm not having FODMAPs, but then when I'm having FODMAPs, I'm having problems. And then you get into this problem where a person gets afraid of foods. So the real key with FODMAPs is if they are causing problems, it's usually because we have a lack of diversity. We need to build that diversity up and then the person can usually digest them just fine. And most prebiotic products are FODMAPs, you know, yes. so there's like, 
That, that's so, one of the, yeah. Um, I'm going through the, so Monash University, out of yeah, Australia, mm-hmm. they created yeah. maps, And so I'm going through their course right now. I'm almost done. Um, yeah, it can be a very helpful therapeutic yeah. tool for a time. Yes. Oh, yeah. My it's- struggle is with people who, so I work with a lot of people who have like severe uh, health conditions or autoimmune conditions. Um, and then I do a lot of fertility work too. So I kind of do those mm-hmm. two things. But in my autoimmune people, you know, sometimes we do have to remove FODMAPs therapeutically to kind of give them a relief because my first goal is always pain management, like upfront. I just don't mm-hmm. want them to feel bad anymore. And then from there, it's all about, okay, let's rebuild this environment here so that we can have diversity. Because I think that the ideal human diet has foods from every food group. Like I think the more, the more variety, the better for gut health and all that. Um, so yeah, I, mean, I use Monash and their list and everything. Like, uh, I love that you were talking about that because, um, in the module that I'm in right now, it was talking about just that and how to increase the diversity and how to still include that without, um, because it was talking about some of the issues that, being on that for too long can cause. And so, yeah, um, I've I think seen that before where it's yeah. caused more problems than not. So like, I like that that's part of, yeah, I like that it's part of the course and like yes. being proactive. So it doesn't cause those. So I think, yeah, and, that's why there is that course to like, do yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And this is a frustration that, that I have, <clears throat> you know, and this is where education comes in. Cause right. You're doing the proper education, practice for that to figure out how to do it properly. Mm-hmm. What I get a lot is people who hear about FODMAPs and they're like, oh, these are bad things or like lectins. These are bad yes. things. I put them out of my diet forever. Or, and then they, they do experience some relief. So they're like, okay, that was the right thing to do. Or I will, I get a lot of um, clients who come in referred from their doctor and their doctor's like, you just need to eat low FODMAP and like no other guidance. Not recognizing that it's like distinct that it's phases. Oh, right. Yes. Exactly. Oh, I can see that. So, yeah. That, that'd be an issue. <laughs> so yeah. And it's, it's the same thing with like, um, there are other things. I mean, I will, I will be completely honest that, you know, sometimes, in fact, a lot of times my diet programs or protocols do start off fairly strict, but I there's always tell people there's a reason for it. And I always, I have people work, sign up to work with me for an extended period of time at the beginning, because I never want to get into a situation where I've given somebody 30 days of stuff to do, and then they feel great and they're scared to like put anything back. And so it's just like, they just end up eating like that forever, you know, not having anything basically they're eating like protein, fruits and vegetables. I'm like, no, that's not, that's not your long term, you know? So I love it. (laughs) I love your practice. (laughs) I know. I'm like, me and you really get along here. Yeah. I'm excited about that. Um, we'll have to stay in touch more. Um, well, I know that, I know that, um, you are working on, um, a program. So you could tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. Okay. So I wanted to have a program. It's not related to um, any like in particular area, as far as like health goes, I wanted it to be a starting point to where people could go through it and know kind of how I approach 
nutrition, not necessarily in like a medical nutrition therapy way, um, that therapeutic way, but more so of the behavior side. Um, and so whenever I start working with people, I bring it back to that definition of health, um, partially by the world health organization, but how it talks about physical, mental, social, and emotional well-being. And so how I practice is with the intention of if we're doing something that's helping your physical health, but it's harming your mental, social, or emotional well-being, then it's by definition, not really promoting your true health. And so um, I have a four week refocus. It is a weight neutral nutrition program for empowered eating. And so what that means is that we're not focusing on weight. Um, I think there are certain times where, you know, you need to do that. You need to do what works best for you. Um, But with this particular program, I didn't want it to be focused on that weight piece. I really wanted to just kind of get that foundation of these are the different practices implementation wise of how we can approach nutrition that doesn't, that supports your physical, mental, social, and emotional well-being that doesn't harm any of those areas. And so it's just a four week refocus. It's broken down into days one through six of for four weeks. And um, so it provides that extra day for like catching up or reflection, that kind of thing. And so we just talk about how to be, um, we go into like self-compassion and how important that is for um, your health overall. We talk about setting goals and how to break those down into different actions and practices for the week. We talk about um, choosing those foods and recognizing how they make you feel, how to feel different hunger cues, fullness cues, being more aligned with your um, eating because overall having empowered eating, I think there's a lot of confusion around just kind of different words we throw around, um, you know, like intuitive and people might think like, oh, well, if I do that, then I'm just going to, you know, eat whatever and, and all the things, but it's really about having that dynamic interplay of yes, that more innate, um, those more innate kind of um, feelings, but also recognizing how that plays into the context and and what you need food to do for you. So that's what it is. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds wonderful. That's something that I think, um, I have a couple of things that came up for me during that. First of all, um, that is where I think people struggle the most because, you know, in my work, I'm usually getting them at the beginning of that health process and they're already in a really, you know, tough state physically. And so it's about rebuilding them to a healthy spot. But then the trouble is when we get people to that healthy place where they're feeling better and all that, um, if they're not committed or don't have the motivation or willpower left, which is not always their fault because it's been a long process, um, it a better understanding of food and mental health and all that, then a lot of it goes out the window once all these foods are reintroduced. And so for me, a big portion of what I do is, is that maintenance work. I think that maintenance time after we've lost weight, if weight, weight loss is important, which is not always the case, right. But if we've lost weight, um, or if we've come from a restrictive way of eating and now we're at a place where we're not restrictive anymore, that that's the really hard part and getting your mind around how you can, you know, be healthy and not be bogged down with all these rules and regulations and, and different things and be more intuitive. I think people struggle with that really, really bad. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, it's, that's really, really hard for people. Um, and you know, a frustration of mine about the like whole intuitive eating thing is that I think sometimes 
we hear intuitive eating and people sometimes promote intuitive eating in a way that is not helpful for people who have a history of um, debilitating health conditions because yes. there are some hormonal signals and um, processes that make it very difficult to listen to your intuition about food. Side note with intuition- that. Yeah, I love that. Um, a lot of times what I found was that when people say that like intuitive eating doesn't work for them or anything, a lot of them don't know that it's a framework, like in a book with different principles. And yes. so I just am actually like, okay, just eat yeah, what I want. Right? Exactly. Like, putting their own definition on it. Yeah. yeah. So I have a video that I, I need to, to sit down and do it, but essentially I probably will call it very, it'll, it'll be clickbaity, but it will say like why intuitive eating doesn't work. Um, and just talk about like, just how their definitions really yeah. aren't aligned with what... that to me when you get that. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, the thing that frustrates me is that there is a big movement and I see it a lot on Instagram of people who are doing that. You know, they're basically telling people like not to pay, you know, you, it's a skill. It's a skill. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, um, so yeah, I love that there's a, a framework for it because obviously the ideal is to be able to look at your life and look at your nutrition in a very well-rounded, yes. you know, positive mm-hmm. approach and not be consumed with food guilt and shame and um, mm-hmm. counting things for the rest of your life. That's, you know, I don't eat like that, you know, yeah. I eat intuitively. So that's where we want people to get to. Um, so I love that. I may have to yeah. start like sending people to that when they're kind of <laughs> done working with me. I love yeah. That. So that's why um, I like we'll using the term empowered eating. Um, just yeah. feel like it's a little bit easier to. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really like that. Okay. So that's your program. And that would be a great one for a lot of people to do in the new year because that's the goal. That's a very triggering time. <laughs> I'm already, my schedule's already full with people who are like, I want to lose weight. Um, so, uh, okay. Let's see what else. I think that's it. I think that's that's all I have for you today, but this was a really, really good conversation. I may have to bring you back on the podcast again to talk about more stuff. Um, but yes, thank you for joining us. Um, for everybody out there listening, a couple of things. Um, I'm going to link to all of our social medias in the show notes. So definitely um, follow Kat. If you don't follow me, follow me on Instagram, Amber Fisher Nutritionist. Um, if you have questions for the podcast, I love to answer them. They give me great uh, inspiration. So email me at anamberadaypodcast at gmail.com. And uh, I know, isn't that cute? I love that. <laughs> I had a, so I, I used to work, um, when I first got started, I worked at a, uh, I had a private practice, but it was like under another nutritionist and we had a secretary there and she came up with that. She was, I was like, I really want to start a podcast, but what should I call it? And she was like, well, your name's Amber. It kind of sounds like Apple. So call it an Amber a day. I was like, oh, I love that. Awesome. So anyway, that's the podcast. Thanks that's to really her. Good. Her name's Kristen. Kristen, if you're listening. Kristen, you're brilliant. Uh, okay. So I'm going to close this up and stop the recording. So thanks for listening, guys. If you learned something today or you enjoyed today's episode or both, I'd love it if you would leave me an iTunes review and share this with a friend. If this brought up a question for you that you would like to hear me answer, there is a Google form that you can use to ask me any question you want, and I might answer it here on the podcast. I do it all the time, and I would love to hear from you. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.